You're listening to The Grind, well-caffeinated conversations with disc golfers who are passionate about improving their games and helping others to do the same. Welcome to episode 15 of The Grind, a disc golf podcast. I'm Josiah, with me, my glow disc golf partner in crime, cardmate David. (laughs) We're going to talk some disc golf. How's it going, guys? we got a fun show lined up for you today. We've got a pro tip from Maria Oliva. We are going to review the AVRX3, and we're going to talk about how to throw straight. But first, David, as always, what are you sipping on? How was your disc golf week? Oh, we're sipping on some Columbia from Harbinger Coffee again. Shout out to Harbinger. Thanks so much for um, donating this batch of coffee for episode 15. Episode 15? We're getting up there, man. Man, classic cup of Columbia. This is tasting very tasty. Um, definitely getting a lot of those earthy tones, some nuttiness going on. Nothing super exciting jumping out, but uh, just an enjoyable cup. We got the Columbia Finca El Triunfo. Um, and it is a wash process, which going back, we've talked about not naturals and honey processed coffees on the podcast. Wash is more of your traditional, what you expect in a cup of coffee. But yeah, the tasting notes, it's looking like it's saying green grape, cocoa nibs, and cedar. I could definitely catch those cocoa nibs, and uh, the cedar makes sense as far as the earthy tones in there. Just a good overall cup of coffee. Nothing super exciting that's jumping out at me, but just an enjoyable cup. Yeah, I think balance comes to mind. Once again, clean. I think it is a clean cup. And then I, I do get the cedar for sure, that earthy tone. I've been doing a little bit of gardening lately and I've got some cedar wood chips out in the yard. So I definitely can feel that for sure. It does is reminiscent. So uh, great cup and big thanks to Harbinger for sending us their coffee to try out on the show. And if you'd like to try this or the Guji we had two weeks ago or any of the other coffees, you can order it from harbingercoffee.com. And big thank you to John at Harbinger. Yeah, if you're ever around, they're, they're roasting out of Fort Collins. It's just, they're doing some fantastic stuff over there. And I talked before on the, I think a couple of podcasts ago, we reviewed one of their coffees. They're, they're honestly one of my favorite coffee roasters in Colorado. And I just love what they're doing. Good people um, putting together a good cup. Um, disc golf this week. Um, not a ton, but I got, I got a lot in one day. <laughs> Let's see, on Thursday, which I guess yesterday I played around back in and forehand at snooks and then and it was fairly windy again so i'm getting some windy rounds in this time i wasn't as confident in the wind but uh definitely was a big big learning day in the wind for me yesterday and then after snooks we actually we got to play some glow rounds uh, a couple glow rounds at salt wash and that salt wash is behind my house it was a blast there's about six of us that went out there and it's just such a blast going out. My body at nine o'clock at night isn't super excited to be doing physical things, but I think I'm just so excited that I just push past that mental state, and it's just so much fun. David is prematurely a very old man. <laughs> That's fair to say. Yeah, it was fun for sure. I also didn't play a ton of disc golf this week. I did get glow in. I played uh, Westlake, our little one of our little putter courses. Yeah, it was it was a good week. I think I've been taking it pretty easy on the disc golf side and taking care of some stuff around the house and some stuff that I've been putting off. So, uh, pretty chill week. But glow was super fun. I started out five five for five on birdies in the dark, so I felt pretty stoked about that. We were destroying it, man. Yeah, it kind of kind of tapered off after that, but 
No, it was fun for sure. And I think the one thing I love about Glow is that since I just feel like the disc flies, uh, the flight of the disc is just so apparent because it's just darkness and the disc. And so every, every shot that someone throws looks cooler. And so I think it's just fun to watch throws in the, in, in the dark. Get slapped down by trees. Yeah, you think it's an amazing drive and then you know 150 <laughs> feet into the flight it just gets smashed. Makes for a lot of laughs for sure. For sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so it was a good night and a good week overall. And I'm excited to play a little bit more disc golf, hopefully starting this weekend. And I've got a tournament at the end of the month playing Palisade. And then we've got another tournament beginning of June. So I'm excited to try to get the game back up to tournament shape. I was thinking about it the other day. And I was just like, or maybe it was yesterday. I was thinking about it yesterday. And I was just like, hey, I've been taking it pretty easy in disc golf. And I think that's perfect. Sometimes in the ebbs and flows of life for me as a non-professional, like I sometimes just need a break or more practically in this case, I need to get some stuff done. But I'm pretty excited to step it up a bit, both on the practice and on the course or, you know, on the practice green or field work or whatever and start to prep for for tournaments again. Yeah, I think there's definitely the balance of that ebb and flow of putting your energy into the tournament season and i actually forgot that you have palisade coming up because i'm actually going to be out of town for a couple weeks and miss that i was bummed that i'm going to miss that tournament yeah i'm the only buddy that's playing of our friend group so i feel a little bit alone but i'm gonna still try to win (laughs) the my second turn of the year the the tournament director never actually put the tiebreaker in when we played the playoffs so, so you're my pdga play uh, page says first place first place so i gotta try to keep it up you gotta try to keep it up and this is an adgt right yeah it is so this is a chance to qualify for going to austin oh yeah i'm gonna qualify dude what are you talking about <laughs> i won last time at palisade not playing that well i we're, plan to play better we're gonna slowly work the idea into our wives with the possibility of going to austin in october if if we all if we all qualify if we all qualify I think it would be pretty fun to go play together for sure. I don't know like how much I'd be curious how much disc golf you get in versus like waiting around. And I've heard there was mixed reviews of last year's. So I would like to play, but I'd probably want to look into it a bit more because it is a pretty big commitment. And if I'm going to make a disc golf trip, I'm more likely to want to do something like we did in Ogden where it's like us in the course rather than yep. a big to-do. That's, that's pretty fair. But if we all qualify, we might have to. Yep. You want to get into a pro tip? Let's do it. So Maria Oliva, who's an Innova sponsored pro and just a bomber. She's been uh, on the scene for a little while, but I think this is her second year uh, touring. And I think this is her first year tour- touring full time. Maria, if I got that wrong, just hit me up and I'll edit this podcast. But I have just really enjoyed watching her play. I love her game. And I reached out to her and asked her, Maria, what's one thing you wish you knew when you were first building your game? And she said, one thing I wish people would have told me is to add all types of shots into my arsenal. Having all the shots in disc golf, such as backhand, forehand, roller, et cetera, is so crucial because it really does make playing the game easier. Instead of forcing shots to work, you simply play the style of shot the hole calls for. And I thought this was a great tip. It's kind of similar a bit to what we were talking about with Scott Stokely, but I think it goes beyond that. Not just forehand, backhand. She's talking about rollers. At In Ogden, I threw a pretty sweet thumber, which I almost never throw, and it made me want to practice overhand shots a bit more. So what do you think about this? 
Yeah, I like this. And I agree. This kind of expands a little bit off of what Stokely was saying as far as having having more shots in your bag in order to, like when, when we were in Ogden and you pulled the thumber out, and I've never seen you throw a thumber before. I've seen you mess around with some rollers. And that's something that I've never messed around with is rollers, unless we're doing like a little cut roller trying to get it around a tree or something. Um, but having those shots in your bag to confidently pull out and around is, I mean, it's game changing. Being able to throw a thumber over over the trees when you don't have to worry about hitting anything because you're getting over everything, that's huge. That's possibly taking one, if not two strokes Oh yeah, on, on a on a round or on a card, that's that's huge. I gave myself a birdie putt from a terrible lie, and it was, but it was an easy shot. But if I had tried to do an Annie or a forehand, it would have been extremely difficult, and I would have likely bogeyed. So yeah, I think it is. It's fun to mess around with for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I could think of two shots in particular that I have not worked on at all, that at some point I would like to put some energy into, the thumber is one. And as a baseball player, the thumber like makes sense to me mentally. I just am afraid of what it would do to my arm. Sure. Because I am very aggressive when I am throwing something, and I am afraid of injuring myself, um, which I think is what's made me hesitant of messing around with it. But I think if I went into it with just an 80% mentality of using them more so for like kind of getting out of danger as opposed yep. to getting distance, having that more of a focus going into it. But then also really, we don't really have a course around us that rollers are super beneficial, but also too, having a roller that can get you 200 feet is something that is great to get you out of trouble. And so those are two things in particular that I like listening to what she's talking about that I would really like to incorporate into my game and try to be honest with you though, trying to find the time and energy to put into that, it almost feels like a lot compared to I... I'm so focused on trying to really hone in my backhand right now that it feels like that's where all my energy is going. And so at what point, like where do you find the balance as far as putting energy into all those different shots? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that to me, the, the shots that, well, I think playing a course like the Fort at Ogden brings out some of those, but in our local courses, I almost never throw a thumber because I almost never need one. And yeah, like you said, I think you do want to protect your arm a bit. I think the thumber is somewhat, I think there's a much higher probability of injury if you don't know what you're doing. If you'd like to know how to throw a thumber and prevent injury, Valley Local, JC Kester, has a YouTube video on the Discrafts channel about throwing thumbers. And he talks a lot about warming up and how he does it. I think the big thing for me with overhand shots that I'm working on is to throw them smooth and with acceleration rather than with power. And I don't throw them that often, but I'm just because that that almost always when I try to throw with power, I feel it in my shoulder immediately. And I think, hey, if it hurts me to do this, I probably shouldn't do it for fun. That's just doesn't make sense. But I think in in the case of thumbers, you know, tomahawks, rollers, skamahawks, all these shots. My suggestion is do them on second shots. Do them around your buddies. Don't hit them. That's a given. <laughs> like, that's a very much a given. But there, I think I just squeeze them in, and I just I don't really see it as work. I see it as fun. But and I want to do it even more because I think that they are beneficial. And I think sometimes, especially in Colorado, if you had a three hundred foot thumber, I want to have a two hundred fifty foot thumber to start, or a two hundred foot thumber to start that I feel consistent about and work up there. But I think if you had a three hundred foot thumber. 
you're going to make some of those holes so much easier. Oh yeah. I think back to playing, uh, man, I'm blanking on the name in Frisco, the yep. tournament. Peak uh, one. The guy, he had a, an over 400 foot thumber and he just took everybody to school. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, well, those at high elevation courses, a lot of times you can throw over the trees. Yeah, it definitely makes the course a lot easier. Just the same way that a power forehand for Eagle opens up a realm of possibility that makes it to where he can just completely destroy and wreck. Yeah. And I do think like you were saying, I think it makes sense whether it's a forehand roller, whether it's a thumber, a tomahawk, you know, whatever these things are to be really careful about when you're learning anything new, ratcheting it up to what your body can handle and learning how to get the mechanics right. Like even if you were doing a new workout at the gym or something, you have to get the mechanics right before you can do it fully because you're going to injure yourself or you're not going to get the result. And so I do think, you know, within all these things, you have to be somewhat careful about it. Yeah. I think being okay with taking it slow and learning it slowly. I mean, I think about when I was first learning forehand, I was ripping on my forehand. My arm was going everywhere. It was up top all the way, whipping through this like huge, like seesaw motion. I don't know what it was, but, uh, I had a friend, Josiah kind of helped me out a little bit with mechanics, but I had a friend really slow me down and focus on just having an even playing field and keeping it simple from there. And when you I, say even, even playing field, can you uh, sorry, that? a level, keeping the disc level throughout the, um, throughout the drive, throughout the shot. Because you were kind of not only having it up, but up and out and then trying to smash it through yep. forward. I was trying to create this massive whip motion and there was so much going on that the disc, I think didn't know what I wanted to do with it. <laughs> um, but, uh, I was watching, the, it was the first time that I've watched my forehand form or videoed, uh, Josiah videoed me in Ogden. And I was actually re- completely surprised by my forehand form of how I feel like, man, I actually feel like I have decent form with forehand. I'll, I have, still, to, I'll have to post it on Instagram because it's 350 foot water carry. And David looks like he's putting about 50% power into it. And But then I look at my backhand form <laughs> on the video that he felt like, eh, I still got a lot to work on. <laughs> I feel that way about my backhand form too. <laughs> so no worries. Uh, we all have lots to work on. I, even the pros, I think, feel that way about their form, except for maybe like a Simon. Yeah. Or or Macbeth. Yeah. Everything's well, just perfect. He's I, a machine. No, I, I honestly think that the best players are always tinkering. Yeah. Not necessarily like reinventing all the time, but tinkering. And I think that, I think that Macbeth is definitely a tinkerer with his form. It's it's little things. It's how he follows through. And a lot of times it's not to just get further, but it's to change, change the, see what he can do to change his form to get different flights out of the disc. I get that. I think that some things that, you know, we're talking about these different shots. I think also understanding how to throw, for example, Micah was great at this. He had, he had two glow discs. He also, like David, thought that Germs, Tourcy's Thunderbird was glow. <laughs> Swirly Star, the fire, sex of Firebird is like glow. A glow I know. There, anyway. Uh, so he was throwing his like, because his crank, which was a beat up glow crank, yeah. was a very understable distance driver, and he was throwing it on you know big hyzers and getting it to hyzer out. He was throwing it on four, like smooth forehands, and so I think not only learning the different shots, but also learning how you can make a understable disc hyzer, for example. 
you know, what that looks like. Hey, what does an overstable disk look like on a, you know, backend roller, whatever it is. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different shots that you have already that you, I think sometimes we get a little bit narrow in our thinking. So for example, I have a shot that needs to hyzer left. I'm going to throw an overstable disc. Maybe, but maybe if you really want it to hyzer left, you want to throw something neutral, have it flip up to flat and then glide left. I mean, there's, that's a different shot than the disc that dumps out left and you actually may get more left with the less stable disc. Stuff like that, I feel like, or a flip up hyzer on forehand versus a flex shot or versus a flat shot, you know, varying stabilities. I feel like there's so much two disc off and it's, it's hard to manage it all sometimes, but there are shots that I feel like if you just say, Hey, when I, if, for, let's say you're backhand only right-handed for the example. Hey, if I want to go right, I throw an understable disc. If I want to go left, I throw an overstable disc. If I want to go straight, I throw a neutral disc. Sure. But you can also make the overstable disc go right, the understable disc go left, the neutral disc, I don't know, maybe just go straight. I don't know. I ran out of I ran out of options. But I do think that there are so many shots you can learn by not limiting your thinking to, oh, this disc for this shot. And I think Paul Yolaberry talk, talks about a lot. I know a lot of pros do, but he's one who talks about a lot of like, hey, learn how to throw every disc straight, learn how to throw every disc on, you know, to make it go left or right. And I do think that that really does open up some options for you. You know, Micah throwing in a super understable disc to get a big hyzer shot on in our glow realm was one where I was like, oh, dang, dude, like that was sweet. And I I wouldn't have known it when he threw it, but I knew the disc. And so I was like, oh, you had to throw that with a lot of touch, finesse, and accuracy. Yeah, for sure. That's one shot that I really like watching is when you throw your envy on the little hyzer on hole three going down because it's a massive dog leg left. Yep. But Josiah can get that thing to start gliding to the left. And I, I go up there with my flat top firebird backhanding it, just letting the disc fight all the way over there. Yeah, nose angle. Okay, so you want to throw a nose down. Everybody says that. That's true if you want to get distance. In almost every case, you're going to want to throw a nose down, especially when it's a, a fast disc. Nose up with putters is super fun. You can make them much more stable at the end of the flight. You can get them to, you know, with a, the disc, the shot that David was talking about, it's a dog leg left through some trees down a hill the whole way. It's what, like 300 feet probably? Something like that. You need the disc to really be fading the whole flight without dying. And it's a very tough shot. It's a fun one to get and it's hard to get. Sometimes you get lucky. Uh, getting through the trees and you give yourself a putt. But I, I playing putt arounds at Snooks is actually what forced it because I just brought envies to beat him up one time and I was like, I wonder if I can get here with an envy. And I said, oh, well, I got to throw it nose up and I've got to throw it hyzer, but not too much hyzer. And I got to let it kind of like float around the corner. And I parked it my first shot or maybe my second shot. I had two envies at the time. I lost one of them the next hole, but you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and obviously you only have so much time so this once again comes down to, we talk about all the time, but like what's fun for you and what do you have the time for and the capacity for and how much do you want to focus on the things that you do well and hone those versus work on your weaknesses or areas you haven't experimented in. But I do think that there it isn't a zero-sum game. Like I think getting good at your forehand when you're a backhand player uh, doesn't necessarily improve your backhand. But I do think, hey, learning to throw nose up 
with a putter is going to help you also know how to throw nose down with a driver. Why? Because you're understanding that you're controlling the nose angle and how you're controlling it. And so you can change that control once you understand how you how you can control it. So I do think there is a certain degree in which a lot of the stuff builds. And so, you know, the overhand shot, yeah, does it help your back end? Maybe not, but it does help you see different lines and look for different lines. So I think that there is something to be said about being a, a player with diverse skills, but also there is there's a balance there. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, knowing the different shots is really building into your head what the discs can do. And that's yeah. going from the um, yeah, that's your great. understable to overstable. And like you were saying with you, Labari, the more being able to throw every disc at whatever angle, do, make it do whatever you want, being able to understand the disc, um, it just opens up a realm of possibilities of what you can do and create with shots because it's not necessarily a s- specific shot that you're going to go to every time or a specific angle with that shot. You could tweak it and have a slightly different angle that does it makes the thumber do something different. Who knows? But you can create and do what you want, and it just makes the game almost like an expansion pack, like <laughs> joked around <laughs> about with the, with uh, your favorite board game. It just kind of opens up different possibilities of what you can do. Yeah. No, I like that example. Maybe not all of our listeners are nerds, but David and I are big nerds, so we <laughs> we get that for sure, or I get that for sure. One question I have for you, David have you can you think of a time when you had your mind blown by either a shot you threw or someone else threw where you said oh the disc does something different than i expected or you know i i don't know an example for you but or either your shot or somebody else's i think earlier on the first time i we have a used band at the disc store here in town and Early on, the the only discs that I was grabbing, I had knew nothing about discs, and so I was just grabbing whatever disc looked nice. And I typically geared, uh, veered towards Innova discs, and I snagged a Roadrunner was one of the discs that I snagged. And at the time, again, very forehanded oriented player, and I went to I just released a Roadrunner on a forehand, um, just trying to release it dead straight. And before every disc for me had always hyzered out, every disc would had hyzered out. But the Roadrunner just took off to the left. And I, it just blew my mind of, like, oh, my gosh. The, the it did something is, different. Is, it did something different. <laughs> um, and I think that was the first time for me realizing that different discs um, can be used for different things. And different discs are created to do different things. And you can use and manipulate them to create different lines. Yeah, that's great. I think about watching Ryan Wilking throw hole 13a at watson which is in its long position it's basically it's a it's a very tight gap low hanging low early tree left low hanging tree uh right in the middle early trees all the way down the right hand side Mm -hmm. creek on the left it's a very tight shot it's very risky Um, we can occasionally get there with a forehand flex david or i give ourselves a putt but it's a tough shot and the backhand feels almost impossible because it wants to fade into that creek and wants to have your disc, you lose your disc. And Ryan threw an essence on a hyzer that never stood up all the way, like it never flipped up all the way, but it never faded either. It was on hyzer, but moving straight the whole way. And then it just, it just basically got to flat, 
as it got to the basket and just sat down. And it was one of those shots, my mind was blown because I always think about a disc on Heiser is either going to, it's going to flip up and move over or it's going to Heiser out the more likely case. And this was just perfectly straight, but never got over to flat or turned over. It just flew straight the whole way. And it it was low enough to get into the tree. It was like this perfect shot. And I just looked at him and of course, just like our disc was like, what was that? Was that an essence? <laughs> and I, my mind still like, I think about that sometimes. I, and I try that shot occasionally, not necessarily on that basket position because I would lose a disc every time. But it just is this, it's a shot that I had never seen in coverage or in life, but it makes, it makes sense theoretically, I guess, but in my, my mind was just blown by it. Yeah, for sure. That was actually when I was started to go out and throw, and I haven't been good at going out and throwing my putters, but there was one week where I went out and threw my putters. <laughs> After Ryan told you to. Ryan was encouraging me, hey, some of uh, your practice shots with your putters, put it on that hyzer and try to get it to keep and hold that hyzer straight. And it's not easy. <laughs> it's Honestly, it's a hard concept to build in your head, but I think the reason why is in order to do that, I think you genuinely have to snap directly forward and have a really clean follow through with your disc. Yeah. Because if you are pulling over on the disc, it's going to naturally flip up and pull over. If you're not following through, then it's going to keep hyzering out and just have that, what you would normally expect in a hyzer. And so I think it forces you to really have clean form in order to do that it's i think a very it's a very pro shot it's an amateur can't just go out there and pull that out of their pocket well on that hole an amateur could and 99 times out of 100 you're gonna lose the disc (laughs) (laughs) the confidence and the execution that's what makes a pro yep well i also wanted to talk and this goes straight into it pretty much but I wanted to talk about how to throw straight because I think, you know, I think pros and ams alike understand and appreciate that it's the hardest throw in disc golf. I think it's pretty easy if you need to to torque over a disc. If you can't find an easy one to torque over, my wife has a 150 class uh, Latitude 64 diamond that spent a year in the river. And uh, that disc, anybody can turn over. I bet my four-year-old son would turn it over. You can find a disc to turn over, and you can find a disc to hyzer for you. But to to have a shot that stays basically straight its whole flight, like maybe you know, ten feet feet left to right, fifteen feet left to right, is tough. And obviously, it depends the disc and the shot and the wind and that sort of thing. But I wanted to talk about throwing straight because I do think it is a skill that's worth learning, and I think it is. It is highly related to power, highly related to the disc you're throwing, but it is it is something that I think we all should learn to do. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I think you tend to be a bit better than me. Uh, I think this is more within your skill set, especially with throwing putters straight and throwing mid-ranges straight. Um, and I think this is because uh, I think it's easier, at least from what I've gathered, to throw straight with a backhand as opposed to a forehand. Yeah, I, I think I buy that for sure. But uh, I think when I think of throwing straight, at least for our our courses in the Valley, two holes specifically that stick out to me are two holes at Delta. One of them being 300 feet. I think it's hole, it's got to be around hole 10 or 11. It's the one that's just straight tunnel shot. And it's got this super narrow gap at the beginning. It's nearly in a tournament on a card, 
probably at least two guys on your car are going to hit an early tree. Yep. Um, it's next to impossible to not uh, hit something. And I have still yet to figure out how to hit that shot. And it's really frustrating to me. I actually think all the time about just going out to that hole and just taking all my discs in my bag and trying to figure out what I can do on that hole because it's very difficult for me. I can't confidently go up there and throw a backhand. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how I can get more of a, a neutral or understable disc to go straight for me. And that's an area that I think I really need to work on my forehand of having that clean release with a more understable disc so I can have something reliably going straight for me through through trees. That's a major weakness of mine. You don't really have anything in your bag that you feel confident flipping up to flat from hyzer on the forehand, right? Yeah, no. It's something that I've never really worked on. And I think because of that, I just, I rip everything over. I've messed around a little bit with my essence, um, but I still haven't figured out how to release it well. Yeah, and I think the essence would be a very touch disc for the forehand flip up. I also don't use that shot very often. And I have tried to develop it recently just because I think that my, my forehand is naturally more spin oriented than torque oriented. And I think that I get most distance from a flex, but I'm learning that oftentimes what you really want is flat to hyzer, but I'm, I have a hard time. I have a hard time committing to that flat angle with the, and if with an overstable disc, if you don't, it's just going to hyzer out on you. So I've been working on a little bit of flip up, like just small hyzer to flat. And occasionally I get it and it feels great. Um, just taking a step back from the forehand, backhand, et cetera. I think in general there's, well, maybe we'll have Maria Oliva answer the question. I actually asked her cause I love, she throws very straight. She throws drivers very straight, which is very difficult to do. And I asked her, uh, asking for a friend, but how do you throw discs so straight? How do you throw drivers so straight? And she says, the key to throwing any disc straight is really learning and playing with angles. And this is, I think, you know, a general answer, but I think it's so true. So our buddy Micah, who throws Anheuser's primarily, he throws can throw really, really straight. Well, how does he do that? Well, he throws from a baby Annie and has it basically go you know basically it's working it's it's trying to get back to flat and then hyzer out the whole way and so the end result is basically straight it goes ante for a little bit it it gets to flat it goes straight for a little bit and then it fades but the end result is basically straight i think that that is you know a reasonable way to do it a really neutral disc being able to release it on a very flat controlled angle works and then an understable disc my favorite shot is a hyzer flip where you're going to flip it up from flat, whether it's backhand or forehand, or sorry, flip it up to flat. So you'd start it on a hyzer angle, whether it's you know very understable, you might have to start it on a big hyzer angle. I was throwing some shots at Ogden that I felt like I was channeling my inner Katrina Allen because I was throwing like you know 30 or 40 degree hyzer high with a really understable disc and having it flip up to flat and then just push straight and turn a little bit and fade. And then like with my Crave, I like just a baby hyzer to flip up to flat. Those are drivers, obviously, but you can do that with mids and putters as well. But I think that's the basic concept is you mess with the angles. An, an overstable disc, you're generally going to throw it on Annie to get it to go straight for the majority of its flight. You'll have a hard time getting it to finish straight 
or to have an overall straight flight because that fade is going to be drastic at the end. So you'd have to get throw it low enough that it wouldn't actually get to that fading stage fully. Um, nose down is important in that case. A neutral disc, once again, you're going to want to throw it flat, smooth, spin. And understable disc, you want to throw it with high zero. But that's kind of the, that's the beginning of the question. Just the theory is fine, but the practice is tough. Yeah. I like you talking about keeping it as far as with the um, over or overstable driver, keeping it low to where it's not going to have enough time to burn out on you. But uh, that's the same type of concept. If I'm, there's a, a short tunnel shot at uh, Delta as well. It's just a little 200 footer um, that definitely the back end is probably the best shot. I typically throw forehand because I know I can get through the gap at least. What hole is that? Oh man, it's got to be. The one that is sometimes is in the far dog leg right, and so it's great forehand, uh, flat yep. top firebird. But during the tournaments, it's oh always yeah, yeah, in yeah. That shorty two hundred spot, two hundred and super and it's, tight. It's about five feet, yep, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Five yeah. feet, two hundred feet. And I usually use a forehand, and I just I use my zone that's pretty beat in, and I just keep it low, um, yep. and I try to skip it up there because I know if I keep it low on a slight hyzer, it'll hit the ground and just shoot straight forward. Um, and so I'm kind of using the ground play in order to keep my disc straight. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I think that height has so much to do with it and, and nose angle. And obviously you have to have wing angle as well as we were just talking about it. I think that's true of any throw pretty much that unless you're throwing something super understable, you have crazy power is that the, the end result of the disc where it lands, so much of it has to do with what angle the disc is on or where it finishes, sorry, has so much to do with what angle it's on when it lands. And so, you know, I think about one of our courses, Palisade, has some holes through really narrow gaps through trees and OB left on a ditch and the, and the fairway slants towards the, dis, the ditch. And so for me, when I'm throwing backhand, I know I have to know when the disc is going to get to flat and I have to have the disc hit the ground then. And... That is a tough shot because you basically have maybe 10, 15 feet of left to right movement and you have to know when it lands because if you, if you throw it a little too high or a little too nose up, as soon as, soon as it lands on hyzer, it's going to go OB. And so it, it's a great teaching hole, it's, it's, but I think it is something that I would say it's tough. It's tough for AMs. I think it's tough for pros. It's not an easy skill, but I do think it's worth learning. Yeah. I think, I mean, going back to like throwing putters with what, I mean, Ryan, basically every pro will tell you, start just throwing putters back in. Um, that's what we found. If that, if you have a hole that's 200 feet that requires a dead straight 200 foot shot, I know someone, Josiah has create, created like a thing before to where he's just throwing through a little gap. Yep. And shout out to our uh, patron, Justin, for sharing his AMS Helping AMS tip. I think that was like episode 11 or 10 he yes. he does something similar yeah but uh throwing putters just 200 feet and trying to keep them dead straight i think is honestly the best place to start because if you can do that with a putter that's that's the foundation for trying yeah. to keep a disc straight yeah well and i was recently playing with my brother and my dad in my brother's backyard he had like a, we did like ctp on like 150 foot 120 foot shot and I realized that I backhand was having a hard time getting the power right and the distance right to keep the disc straight. There's kind of a, a hill after the basket, so it drops off. So you had to have it land flat. 
And I was just realizing, you say 200 feet, I might start at 100 feet, whatever's outside of your jump putt range. Because I realized I hadn't worked on that skill enough, partially because, shout out to the Berg, I can throw my little Annie forehand Berg, which has the same result. And I didn't have any Bergs with me. I was borrowing my brother's disc, so I had to do backhand shots or forehand shots. But maybe even starting at 100. Yeah, it's annoying how well you throw that bur- Berg on an Annie. Yeah, well, you know, you're not going to change up your bag, so you can't get it till the off season. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll keep that advantage over you for a few more months. Hey, the Berg is on my birthday list for Megan. Oh, there you go. It's a June. <laughs> The other thing I'd say just generally is start with neutral tender stable disc. I think it's good, but I think it's okay to start with your whole bag and just say, hey, I'm going to put a target out there. I'm going to put a line out there. Ideally, you'd be on a field with a line. This is what I do. One thing I do sometimes where you think helps me is we have, we have baseball fields or sorry, football fields around. We have baseball fields as well, but football and soccer fields around and I'll I'll put my bag or, you know, basically I'll set up a tee pad on that line and I'll try to have the disc stay on that line as long as possible and go through my whole bag. That's a, I love that they took the nets off of the soccer goals because you can use the soccer goal. The soccer yeah. goal is a perfect thing and to you try throw to throw through. through. <laughs> yeah. So that's something that I've used at Salt Wash before. Yeah, that's awesome. Sometimes they use uh, football field goal posts as well. Yeah. But I like throwing straight down the line the whole bag. So the understable disc, you'll have to th- throw a little hyzer over stable discs, a little bit of anhyzer. I think down the fairway with Paul Yulaberry, he talks about doing this as one of his drills. I love that YouTube series if you want to check it out. Um, or Yulabari, I never know. Paul, since you're listening, <laughs> if there's if one of those or there's a third one that's correct, just let me know. <laughs> we could use a pro tip from you, by the way. But yeah, I do think that this is something that that helps me a lot. And then I think the other thing practically with this is the faster the disc, the hard it's, harder it's going to be. Faster discs are going to have more turn and more fade naturally because of the, the, the size of the wing. And so I think starting slow and also accepting that there's a certain degree to which, like Calvin Heimberg, if you watch the playoff hole at Jonesboro, he threw a destroyer 500 feet and the end, the basic full flight was flat. Now it had some turn and it had a tiny bit of fade at the end, but he basically kept the disc within like 20 feet the whole way straight to the basket. Shout out to Calvin Heimberg, ridiculous shot, parked the hole, winner, winner. You and I, David, and almost all of our listeners, potentially all our listeners except for Calvin, who you know listens every week, but are going to have a hard time doing that with a destroyer ever. A little bit. But I think we can all get there with an understable putter. I think we can. I think we can all get there potentially with a neutral mid. And so I think starting there and accepting that at some de- to some degree, having finishing having a distance driver basically fly flat and finish flat may not be in the cards as you're when you're first learning this. And that's okay. That's fine. Like <laughs> That's part of disc golf is getting slowly getting better and also realizing there's going to be limitations. But but there's no reason not to try and to practice it. And I think it's very helpful when you can actually get that shot to land. You think like a ray forehand that lands pretty flat from an ante or whatever. That's that's awesome. And not having a lot of skip at the end of your shot is sometimes very useful. But in the end, kind of getting back to what Maria said, I think you gotta practice, you gotta try them all. Yeah, for sure. You ready to get into a disc review? Let's do it. This week, our disc review is brought to you by 1010 Discs. Big thanks to 1010 Discs for sponsoring this disc review. We 
Really appreciate them. We've got a listener-sponsored disc review coming up, but this one is brought to you by 1010. I've enjoyed shopping with them for a while. I love their prices. I feel like they've got great great deals compared to where everybody else is. They have awesome prices, man. Super stoked about what they're doing. Yeah, and free shipping, 60 bucks plus, 350 for otherwise. And I don't know if it's for everybody, but for me, we're about you know 1,500 miles away, and it still got to my door within like two days. So... They actually, got, I actually have a big order waiting at my house right now. Is it already here? Yeah, it just got shipped. It just landed today. Wow, that's awesome. So big thanks to 1010. We've got the Innova AVR X3, which is a three-speed, three-glide, zero-turn, and two-fade putter approach disc, something like that. David, what did you think of it? I mean, it definitely felt like a putter in the hand. I had an AVR in my bag early on, and I, this has a similar feel to the AVR. I think maybe flatter on top and it has a little bit more of a beveled line. So it's easier for it. The forehand grip actually feels fairly nice. It almost feels like a zone ish in your hand, but I feel like the, the plastic is not as thick as the zone. Yeah. A little slower, not maybe a little deeper. Yeah. It was interesting. I got it to hold the line pretty straight, but then at the end, definitely predictable fade. I, I loved, I tried to actually use this on, I think it was whole, is whole 11, the one with, or whole 12, the one with the um, two trees going up in the middle and the pin is just behind the two trees. Oh yeah, I think that is, yeah, one but of those. <laughs> my, my goal is to try to, uh, we always uh, joke around. I think every once in a while we'll say you get a stroke taken off your card if you can get through those two trees. <laughs> it's a, it's a, an optional Mando, a joke, bonus Mando. Optional bonus Mando. And I hit the gap and then it just, it had a predictable fade right after it got to Sweet, yeah. those trees. So it, that's around the 220 mark. Two, yeah, uh, I think that that gap is probably right at the 220 mark. Yeah. Um, so I, I enjoyed throwing it, I guess, but I wasn't super excited about it. It felt good, but I, one thing I didn't like as far as, and I'm not sure if it's um, this particular plastic or not, but it feels a bit flimsy for me. I don't it's, really... It's got a little bit of give to it. It's yeah. it's it's star, but I think it's got like a little bit more gumminess than some star. Yeah. Typically when I'm throwing a putter or mid-range, I like something that is uh, more, I guess, stable in the hand or... A little stiffer. More stiffer in the hand. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> and this one, I feel like just starting off with that makes it feel not as good in the hand feel. And so I think in any small thing like that, can get in my head as far as how I'm feeling about the shot and might impact my shot. And so I always try to, if it doesn't feel good in the hand, typically it's something I usually won't consider. Yeah. Um, no, I feel that for sure. So, yeah. How about you? Yeah. I, I liked it. I, we have the Maria Oliva tour series star AVRX three and the stamp is sick. It's got like this Medusa thing going on. Yeah. It's pretty uh, sweet. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool stamp for sure. I liked it overall. I think that the it was a little deep for the forehand for me, and I think that it seemed to require a bit of a clean release. When I watch uh, Jeremy Coling or some of the other Innova pros who use it as a forehand upshot disc, I kind of expect it to be a little bit more high-speed stable, and it may just be that I wasn't getting very clean releases on it. I'm an AM, could be part of that. But I think of my forehand as generally pretty clean coming out, and so I do think it probably had more to do with the feel and how that was affecting my release. Backhand felt a little better for me. I threw it backhand and forehand a good bit, mostly forehand, but some backhand as well. I agree. It's just pretty straight. Not not that overstable at first, and then like a very reliable finish. Not super glidey, but not uh, a brick either. Just 
pretty, like once again, pretty straight, pretty reliable at the end. It's, it seems like a good disc. I think the thing that I wonder about is where would I slot it in my bag? Because I've got the Berg, which is kind of my like touch and short approach disc out to maybe like 200 feet. And I've got MVs, I've got zones. It, it kind of feels like it would fit like somewhere between an MV and a zone. Not quite as far. I couldn't throw it as far as an MV um, by any means. I was pro- I could probably get it out to maybe like 240 or something, maybe a little bit further. Uh, an MV is going to get you know, 270, 280 for me. And I think the zone, the jawbreaker zone for me is like my more, my straighter forehand disc for approach. If I'm pushing past where I can throw a Berg, which is about that 220 range. And I think that this just felt like, uh, it's a weird slot for me. I don't really know what I would use it for. I think the pros need less distance and more control. And so I could see that fade being more useful for them. The distance control being more useful for them. I thought it was a good disc, but I didn't necessarily feel like when I threw it, one that I love the feel. Um, backhand or forehand, it just felt okay for uh, forehand. It felt good backhand, but not great. And I didn't have a slot for it in my bag, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad disc. Yeah, for sure. Anything else on the AVRX3, David? No, I don't got a whole lot more. Yeah, I, I think it's a good disc. I think if you wanted a approach disc as an Innova player, and the Gator 3, which we reviewed before, was just you didn't like the bead or was a little too overstable for you. I think this would be a much a better like an approach disc as a touch forehand player uh, than the Gator 3 or as something that was just a little straighter without as harsh of a fade. I think it's a good disc and we can get into our rating. So David and I will each score one out of five and we will sum our scores to 10. One is it's just not that great of a disc. Two is it's a fine disc, but there's better options out there. Three is it's a good disc, but it doesn't stand out. Four is it's fantastic, but it's not going to make my bag. And five is it's going in the bag. So David, what's your score? I think I'm going with the three here. Okay. I think primarily for me, I enjoyed the flight overall, and I I wish I would have messed up with, with it on the forehand a little bit more. I think for me, the main thing was it just didn't feel great in my hand. I didn't get super excited about the initial feeling of it. Um, and I think if if there was a better feeling with the disc, I think maybe we could have gone further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that when you, like the pyro for me was one that when I had it in my hand immediately, I was like, I want to throw this disc. Yep. I don't know that it's a great disc, but I want to like it because I love the feel. It gave me confidence. And this is when I just didn't necessarily feel that confidence. The flight was better than the feel, but I'm going to give it a three as well. I think it's a good disc, but to me it didn't stand out and it definitely wasn't one that I would immediately put in my bag. But I think if you like the deeper feel or you want a touch forehand approach disc, I say touch, it's still stable, but it's not crazy overstable um, like the Gator 3 was. I think it's a good one to check out. And honestly, if you just want to support Maria Oliva and have a sick stamped disc, you should pick one up. If you want to get one for free, we'll be giving this one away on our Instagram page. It spent some time in a canal after I threw it in one with a very uncommitted forehand uh, right before trying to give it to David for him to review it. It was kind of a short week for us this week with recording Monday and Friday. But anyway, I rescued it. It only took me 30 minutes of laying in the dirt and uh, searching in the canal. And so it can be yours. Just visit us on Instagram at thegrind.dg. Enter to win on this week's post. David, you know what's great? What's great? When AMs help AMs. Oh, yeah. We've got a AMs helping AMs, this time from Joel, one of our patrons. Hey, guys. 
Good morning. Got my coffee here. It's Sumptown 100 Mile. It's kind of a breakfast blend. I'm honestly not a huge fan of it compared to some of their other offerings, but it's what I got, so going with it anyway. It's still good, right? I mean, it's good coffee. It's just not my preference. Tip for AMs. As a disc golf player, I've been playing for three or four years now, probably four or five maybe, but I was initially a forehand player and really have switched to the backhand over the last two, two and a half years or so. And I don't know, kind of a, kind of a nerd, so I really dug deep into the analysis of backhand drive and like all the components and everything. And it's it's very detailed. There's tons of mechanics and all these little pieces have to fit together at the exact same time. So one of the things that I found that really has helped me and really improved my accuracy and distance is while working on my form, really just kind of focusing on one thing at a time to get those reps in and those that muscle memory and build that up. Uh, but more specifically, while I'm practicing on a change to my form, I try to play a putter round while focusing on one particular thing. The challenge with focusing on drive distance is if you're throwing a driver, maybe you just got lucky or maybe you had that clean release and you were able to get that extra, you know, 20, 30 feet just because of that, not because the mechanic really changed something positively and playing putter only rounds, you know, once again, it's going to highlight your form flaws and your form, you know, boons of success when you make a positive change. For me, most recently, it was the crush the can uh, strategy, and I was playing a putter round, and I managed to get my putter uh, out to about 270, um, which throwing almost 300 with the putter is pretty sweet since <laughs> I'm definitely uh, an M and I play in rec. So pretty, pretty pumped about that. So that's been my kind of focus is to single into one particular aspect of mechanic. And then while practicing that, practice with more of a neutral type disc or a putter that's not going to go as far because you're going to really see the the difference and that the and the impact from making those form changes rather than doing so with your max distance drivers it's really hard to tell thanks guys yeah joel thanks so much for sending that in david what'd you think i like this this is kind of going back to that putter concept again just throwing putters and mids and uh, really trying to figure out um, your mechanics because you can get away with things when you're throwing high-speed drivers and whatnot to, in order to alter like whatever angles and release point and whatnot to try to get yourself distance. But when you're focused on that clean release with the putter, uh, it's going to expose your weaknesses. It's going to expose the flaws in your form and your release point, whatever it might be. And uh, messing around with the different angles and stuff on around, just having your putter rounds. And I know that's something that you enjoy doing it's something that I really need to slow myself down and work on as I continue to improve my backhand. But uh, this is definitely an area that I, I really would like to put more energy into. So I really like that Joel like hits home on this in his, in his tip. Yeah. I think that the putter round is such a good 
diagnostic because I do think that a lot of times it will tell you it will tell you the truth about you know whether or not you're getting a clean release. And I think you know Joel is saying, hey, this you made this form change, and you maybe you got a long drive in the field with a driver. I think that's good good diagnostic as well. But I think the putter is even better diagnostic a lot of times, unless you're talking about nose angle, which I think in a driver is going to be very different than a putter. In general, something that will make you throw further with a putter will make you throw further with a driver and not necessarily the other way and so i do think it is a great a great thing to work on i've been thinking about doing this i've been trying to work on keeping my elbow high and i'm seeing some good results i kind of want to just go play with envies and you know like neutral like beat up envies and just see hey how does that affect my putter my putter throws and really use that as a diagnostic for that and but just practically, putter rounds are so great and helpful, and it's something I really enjoy. I know that it's not something that you enjoy because it takes you away from your you know, bread and butter. My flat top fiber. The, the spike hyzers, the flat top fiber. But it is th- something I think you could do at Salt Wash. It would be easy to do in an evening, and it would be something that you would say, hey, I'm practicing the long holes as if they're par fours. Yep. I do think it's something that we should all be throwing putter rounds occasionally, and I think finding fun in that joel hit 270 with a putter that's a huck and i think it is fun to kind of re re-examine your game every once in a while so thanks joel for saying that in if you would like to um, help us out and be part of the show in this way you can send your ams helping ams something that improves your game something that helps you it could be a disc it could be a shot could be a practice routine could be a mental strategy whatever it is this there's ways that you could help our listeners and if you just want to send us an audio file to thegrind.dg at gmail.com we would love to hear it learn about it try to apply it and share it with our listeners big thanks to joel and big thanks to everyone who listened especially to jebediah who is our latest patron. If you would like to become a patron and get bonus content every week, a bonus podcast, we've got 15 of them recorded right now. You'll have access to all of them. You can visit patreon.com slash thegrinddg to learn more. We'd love if you'd support the show. Thank you so much for those who do. It's really encouraging for us and helps it be sustainable for us to keep the show going for a long time. So thanks so much for listening. And whether it's coffee or disc golf this week, don't forget to enjoy the grind.